Hello everyone and welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga. Kat Smith here. Wanted to kick off the second episode of our conversation with Lo Clifford. If you had an opportunity to listen to last week's episode, I know you would be very excited about today's um, conversation. It is just so delightful and frankly inspiring to talk to Lo and I'm sure you will agree once you listen. We have had an absolute pleasure sitting down and musing about solitude and silence and stillness in relation to every Enneagram number. So sit back, relax, enjoy the episode and thank you for listening. All right, well, let's talk about what we're talking about today, which is our intelligence centers. Yes. So uh, each number has all three. We, we all use all three, all nine numbers, but some of them are go-to and some of them are least either developed or suppressed or forgotten or just unused. So in, and as always, I'm going to do the odd numbers, Christy's going to do the evens, and then we'll get Lowe's in, um, input on everything that we're going to talk about. But before we begin, um, I want to um, quote um, a little bit from the book of the Sacred Enneagram by Christopher, and Christopher, I'm probably going to butcher your name, Huritz. And he suggested that using the most under, underdeveloped center is the most difficult one to use but doing so can be the most highly transformative for us. Mm. So Lo, before I ask you about what you think about the last sentence, using the most underdeveloped center is the most difficult to use, but doing so can be the most highly transformative for us. I'm gonna use myself as an example. So I know you're my feely people. Yes. And the heart center is my last intelligence center that I go to. Mm -hmm. I feel things in my body, then I will analyze them in my head, but I would never make a decision um, thinking, well, how would that feel? Mm. I would never want to hurt anybody when I do things, uh, intentionally or unintentionally, but would it feel good or bad would never be a prompt for me um, to make a decision, which when I think about it, it's kind of sad. I want mm -hmm. to think of myself as somebody who's, you know, mm -hmm. in touch-ish with mm -hmm. my feelings and, you know, practices compassion and love, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, you know, contemplate why is it underdeveloped or is it suppressed? Mm. And why is it so difficult for me to use it? Mm -hmm. And it's probably going to be the, you know, the game changer for me when I do tap in. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to, I want to say, sorry to interrupt you, but I think that you're working on it. And, and I see that so in the way that you, you get, you, you get teary eyed in most of our podcast mm -hmm. interviews. And that is your heart center, mm -hmm. and I think that like it's it's been something maybe you have pushed out in the past, mm -hmm. but you're welcoming it, oh, and God. it's hard. It's it's <laughs> but it's painful. It's painful, uh, but it it's also beautiful because you're integrating all three parts of yourself, yeah. and so I just want to affirm that because I yeah, I think that you don't see how fully you are doing the work, mm -hmm. and I do. So I just oh, want to say oh, that as your friend. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> thank you, my friend. So, Lo, what do you think about 
you know, the one that's underdeveloped as being difficult to use by being most transformative. How does that land with you? You know, when I hear that, I just think of how, like, isn't that the truth for most things in our lives? Like, the thing we, like, know we need that is our medicine, we shy from. And I don't, I'm, like, trying to sit and feel and think and all the things, like, what is it for me? And I haven't explored it enough to really name it, I feel like. Mm -hmm. But if I could take it to the yoga side and just say, like, you don't know how many people say to me, oh, no, Lo, I can't do yen. I can't be still. Mm-hmm. Um, they might say something like flexibility or whatever, but, like, mm-hmm. they can't be still. Their mind's so loud. They feel like they'll be too fidgety. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. silence is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things. And if you look at the people who say, they're the busybodies, the doers, the goers, and they love the power because it just keeps mm-hmm. them in what they feel and know mm-hmm. and for them to land. But then the people who say, okay, I'm going to try it, and then how they feel afterwards, mm-hmm. how they feel more centered and grounded, how they mm-hmm. feel more clarity, how they feel their nervous system down regulate, like it's the medicine that we they needed, you know? So I would, and I would feel as though that's kind of that similar idea and concept mm-hmm. within the underdeveloped center. It's, it's like when we touch into that one that's might be difficult, might be something we shy away from, might not be as accessible because it's not as familiar of our go-to, I would feel it might be exactly what you need to engage mm-hmm. in that next level of transformation, mm-hmm. you know? So that's that's what I, like, immediately mm-hmm. kind of thought when I heard that. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. So one of my favorite ways to start a yoga class is i love to start in the end so i love to start with shavasana Mm -hmm. and today we're going to start with the last number which is nine which Mm -hmm. we rarely start with but you know i started to think if you look at the picture of the enneagram you know that nine is at the very top and i never thought about it Mm -hmm. like it ends Mm-hmm. You know that that the, all the types, but when you visually look at it, it's it's a, it's at number twelve. It's yeah. at the beginning, and it represents uh, harmony, right? the harmony of all nine numbers. You yeah. see, I didn't even know that. And like, yeah. I love that. It was like it's like the beginning, and then mm-hmm. one, two, and three, and everything. So anyway, we're going to start with nine, and these are my odds. So um, body center, which is also known mm-hmm. as the action center. Uh, mostly need stillness. Mm-hmm. And those are our nine, eight, and one. Mm-hmm. So starting with the nine, uh, type nine likes action probably just as much as a like in action. However, what would be the most beneficial for them is to choose between action, inaction, or something in between. Oftentimes, nines struggle with being assertive and live their life with a sense of indecisiveness. They really have a hard time making a decision. They could also fall into a sloth-like inaction state. Getting in touch with their heart and head centers can help the type 9 identify what they feel and think, which would lead to voicing whatever they may be or acting on or deciding on, um, which is still a decision. So, Lo, my question to you is this. Mm -hmm. What is your personal experience with getting more in touch with your heart and head centers? Okay. And what does that look like for you? And what has your experience been like when you had to really get in touch with your heart and with your head? 
Okay. So, um, I've, even though, like, I know from the Enneagram perspective, it sounds like the two is very heart-centered. Mm-hmm. Is that what you see? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, y'all, I live in my head. <gasps> mm-hmm. Not it. I live Say in more. it. Say more. Say more. I am an overthinker. Holy I am really logical and analytical. Mm-hmm. And I'm also, like... I don't know how well the Enneagram plays into the astrology, but I'm a Virgo. So, yes. so if that um, <laughs> names anything further, mm-hmm. um, we're the perfectionists. We're overanalyzing. We're overthinking. Everything is processed up here. So mm-hmm. I live in my head center. So I'm trying to move it down mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot more than trying to engage up here. Like this is engaged highly. Um, I think it's actually like I am very much like a heart-centered felt person, mm-hmm. but I think like sometimes in life I let the logic and the head center override Mm -hmm. even though it starts here and I feel Mm -hmm. it it's like wait let's make sure this makes sense Mm -hmm. does that make Mm -hmm. sense yeah does that make sense Mm -hmm. um and so I think more of my practices have been more coming down deeper Mm -hmm. in the body and in the heart and then the space and I think there's so many things one thing I also noticed um I have a lot of tension between the head and the heart center. It all lives in the neck. It all lives in the shoulder. And I like to think, especially since you just said the idea of the communication expression between the two, is this is an area that I work on a lot. Like, if you ever come to my yoga class, Mm -hmm. there was a hot minute where, like, everything I taught, we had to do neck rolls. We Mm -hmm. had to get in the neck. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, one, from a physical and energetic perspective utilizing tools to support the neck and the shoulder area to open Mm -hmm. to create a more fluid channel Mm -hmm. is something I naturally have been doing and gravitating towards I think more so if I need to become more in touch with my head center in a healthy way Mm -hmm. it's definitely a processing of getting all the things out through my hands through writing Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's very important to work with our hands it moves energy from the head space and Mm -hmm. out into the world Mm -hmm. um and so writing i think is a way to get in a healthy balance with my head space because i can see everything Mm -hmm. i love that heart space i think it's just being deeply embodied and then also like I tend to you you're probably watching me now i keep touching my heart space Mm -hmm. i do that a lot I do it a lot naturally and also as a reminder of this space in my body. And so just having touch points with it, um, doing anything that brings me in body. So any of my physical yoga practices that drop me back from here down, Mm -hmm. um, both also help that. And really starting to ask, like, feeling the difference between what is my truth and what is not. Mm -hmm. Because my head might say, my heart might say, this is the truth. And my head says, no, this is the real truth. Mm -hmm. And you're like, which is the real, real truth? Sure. So giving myself time and space and permission um, in between any of the battles between the Mm -hmm. two. So if it's a decision or something that I'm having doubt upon or something, you know, I have to figure out, Mm -hmm. allowing that space as part of my practice to engage both in a healthy way versus Mm -hmm. like cutting one off from the other if that makes sense yes it totally does I love that Mm -hmm. do you struggle with coinciding both like when they are in disagreement the heart and the head do you do you feel you have to make them agree or let them agree 
Um, I don't have. I don't feel like necessarily have to make them in alignment. I uh-huh. think I need. It's more of a deeper um, felt sense of what is right in this moment. Mm-hmm. What needs to lead in this moment. Uh, Does that make sense? I love that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of the time, by default, surprisingly, I think I I lead with my head center mm-hmm. a lot. But I also think that's very normal because the culture that we're in, yes. we um, really put the mind on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. We prioritize from school age up, intellect, 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 between the ears, yes. not between the heart. You know, not what emotional space intelligence. You know yes. what I mean? I, I think, therefore, I am. This Literally. is the Western way. Exactly. You know? So I think just by default, it's hyper-developed up there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not that... And I also think it's important to name, I think we get really quick to name like logic, thinking, Mm -hmm. bad, heart, intuition, good, especially Mm -hmm. in the spiritual Mm -hmm. realm. And I've been giving myself more and more permission to say, you know, my logical overthinking analytical mind at times is a gift. Mm -hmm. And some of us have that gift and we need to utilize it. Some of us are all hearts and feels and and intuition and we need that, Mm -hmm. you know? So um, also just naming that it's not this versus that or they have to be the same but like when is it the best to utilize what and to be in touch with that knowing yeah Yeah. and I think it's interesting too because there's a circle surrounding the nine numbers and so we talk about you know the head center the body center and the heart center and those are three forms of intelligence that we want to work on integrating but for me, the circle also could represent community mm-hmm. or God. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, just, just this, the, the one that holds all of us yes. and, and all of our differences. Yes. Or it could represent the nine numbers, you know, and that that is our support and that that is our community on this journey. And so there's also, I think, you know, social intelligence and spiritual intelligence, you know, mm-hmm. that we can find in, in the Enneagram as well. Um, so I just want to name that, that I think that we've got to, we've got to work on all these different parts of us, like finding community because you were very alone, like at the beginning of your, your, your story. And then when you walked into that Mm -hmm. yoga class and you found those people who said, you know, or didn't say anything, just you felt them holding you, you Mm -hmm. felt the shared brokenness and that you were there together to receive one another's energy. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that we really need social intelligence too. We need community. We saw that in COVID, right? Like just, just how much we were all hurting from being Mm -hmm. alone. And, and then I do believe that there is this bigger energy in in the world and we can all call it different things, Mm -hmm. you know, God, the divine, energy, whatever we want to call it, but I believe there's something bigger that also holds us and yet is within us and that we can develop that intelligence as well. And Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, sorry, there's my soapbox. It's so important. Yeah. So, um, but we are going to talk about the Enneagram eight Mm -hmm. and, um, they tend to move to action, uh, just all the time. Go, go, go. They're a busy type on the Enneagram. Um, and if they feel vulnerable um, or anxious, they also tend to uh, kind of numb their pain through busyness and through doing. Um, this is why slowing down and softening are so beneficial to them. Uh, so I know that for you, stillness mm-hmm. and slowing down is really important. 
So talk to us about that. Like, how do you create moments of stillness and slowing down um, in your own life? Yeah. Um, I think slowing down and stillness was actually something I had to relearn. Mm-hmm. You know, like it didn't come naturally for me. I would be like the person who was like sick with like a cold and like cleaning the whole house because I couldn't just lay down and rest type mm. of thing. Um, you know, it was always like very anxious energy yeah. almost because it's like it's hard to give ourselves and again we bring it back to the culture and society we're in, mm-hmm. you know, to just rest and rest mm-hmm. without guilt and mm-hmm. rest with permission that rest is productive, you know, mm-hmm. like it's part of it. Um so yeah, so I, I have found different ways to build that into my life. I'm getting way better at it. I do also want to name that I know, like while sometimes it brought anxiousness with me as someone who must achieve and be productive, that sometimes stillness isn't necessarily something that feels safe to everybody. So mm-hmm. to just like sit still and be might not be their form of stillness. And I found even within myself that sometimes it's not the physical act of being still but it's something that brings the stillness within for me so practices that help me to slow down and feel that stillness within might look like seated meditation or resting in a restorative pose but it's also very often for me looks like cooking and using my hands and just having just soft music in the background and me doing my own thing and taking time to prepare the food like it just stills within me I also um, am a painter so I love watercolors and something about how watercolor is very unforgiving so I have to be very you know focused and still in every stroke I do and Mm -hmm. steady Um, I can get lost lost in the stillness within and paint for hours Um, writing is another one so even though there again there's these slowing down and and acts of some movement it's creating a greater sense of stillness within for myself Mm -hmm. so um, I think those are really ways I weave them in I love that distinction Mm -hmm. I I just think that that's so important because people who have experienced trauma Mm -hmm. um, really do have a tough time with stillness Mm -hmm. and so like what can create that and like you said painting or cooking or uh, going to a yoga class and that's why you know yoga was started from what we understand is that it was allowing these um you know people in India to meditate you Mm -hmm. know and they found that through movement they found stillness and so who knows what it is for each one of us but to mm-hmm. find a way to find that still calm mm-hmm. within our within within ourselves is so important and that's beautiful so might even invite our listeners to just think about like what yes. creates stillness in you even if it is a form of movement mm-hmm. um what creates that inner calm yes exactly i love that yeah. oh, what do you do for stillness christy i'll <laughs> tell you mine if you tell me yours Lo okay told, told us her um okay well I I will say, this is not right now, but I will say that breastfeeding, Mm -hmm. I found that Mm -hmm. to be just an experience of stillness. So even though I was doing something, it was just like very, very calming. So that was the the very first thing that came to mind. Obviously, yoga. Um, I, I can even clean the house and be quiet. Yes. And, and if I'm, if I'm just not listening to a podcast or 
there can even be a stillness that comes from that. Mm -hmm. So that's what's coming up for me. Yeah. But what about you? I knit. Okay. I know it's a very I, I sexy you thing. I want everybody to close their eyes and imagine Kathleen. I knit. And that's my form of oh, stillness. Yes. I love and that. I love it. It just like when mm -hmm. Lo said with the hands, mm -hmm. you do something with the hands and it just drops you mm -hmm. right in, yeah. in that place. Yeah. I think writing too, like you. Mm -hmm. I love to write and that, mm -hmm. that creates an inner calm. So, yeah. yeah. Now let's move on and finish our body um, body um, intelligence center with Enneagram One. I'm a one, so ones, and I always love like I speak for all the ones in the world. <laughs> they tend to be very active, decisive, and assertive. Uh, ones can be very busy bodies and constantly doing something, working hard, perfecting things or people around them. And as a result, the body center can really dominate. And anger and resentment can show a block in the waist to the heart center. And I really can relate to that. So one of the sure, the most difficult ways for one to get in touch with their heart center is practice forgiveness on themselves and others. Mm -hmm. And as I say that, they're like, I cringe on the inside, like forgiveness is just uh, so hard. So Lo, my question to you, have you ever experienced in your life when forgiveness came as a challenge to you and what was it like? Okay, so I don't know if this is a two thing, Christy back me up here, but forgiveness comes almost too easy of for me. Like, yes, like, of course, it's a two thing, I like, can tell you that. Like, and maybe to a fault, like sometimes Sam is like, I can't believe you're like doing this for this person again, even though like what they did to you, da, 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 you know, and I'm very much like water in the bridge, you know, yeah. like, like maybe, but I will name though, I'm much harder on myself in terms of if I feel like I messed up or did something wrong, I'm much more, um, less likely to like forgive myself as quickly as I will mm -hmm. someone else yeah. mm -hmm. you know so I don't know is that like a two it thing is a two okay thing. <laughs> it is a two thing we're very um very big on forgiveness in uh -huh. fact they say that um the arch archbishop Desmond Tutu who who died last December that he was a two and he's written lots of books on mm -hmm. forgiveness because mm -hmm. it also mm -hmm. is something that twos are often passionate about mm -hmm. is forgiving and offering grace. I mean, yes, that's yes. something that sometimes, like you said, it's harder for us to receive grace. It's yes. harder for us to receive at all, yes. but it's, it's very easy for us to give grace. Now I will say in my own life, I think the older I get, I have, notice that um, it can be a little harder because I have gotten more in touch with my anger. I've had to work on that. Mm. And as I've gotten more comfortable with anger, I've allowed myself to feel it more readily. And so sometimes, you know, cat's <laughs> like doing a symbol of come to me. <laughs> um, and so um, I have noticed that I have to work harder. I do think that there's more freedom in life and fullness of life when we are forgiving others and when we do have an open heart so like I that's the goal is I want to get back there but there had been a space in my life where I didn't even allow myself to feel the anger yeah. and I think that can be really healthy so it's just this balance of learning to say you know I'm feeling this I'm feeling anger but then I don't want to get stuck in it you yes. know and so but it is very much I, I feel like in my 20s and 30s 
I was just so open-hearted and and for, and forgave forgave you know really naturally and now I do have to work at it a little mm-hmm. harder right now so I'm just mm-hmm. gonna name that and own that but mm-hmm. um, but I think part of that is a good thing that I've gotten more in touch with my anger and then part of that this world we live in is so polarized mm-hmm. and so at odds with one another and it's just saying you know mm-hmm. be at odds with one another I think so that has true. something to do with me mm-hmm. struggling a little mm-hmm. bit more mm-hmm. with forgiveness so um, so yeah, but you were spot on. Good intuition there. That <laughs> there is a two thing. That is a two thing. Well, um, speaking of twos, mm-hmm. let's let's go right to the twos. The twos are deeply relational. For that reason, they're rarely alone. Although I did really hear that you have a comfort with being alone and sometimes the self preservation too. So you, yes. So if you know your subtype. It, um, they have more of a comfort with being alone, so that can be an exception. Um, and when they are alone, they are most likely keeping in touch with people by phone, by email. I mean, again, we just love others. Mm-hmm. We love to serve others. Um, and so turning in yeah. and, and, and allowing ourselves to let go of the focus on others, um, let go of conversations with others and having conversations with ourselves inside of ourselves can help us to get in touch with our body and our head center. Um, So tell me about the intentionality of solitude in your own life. So how do you create spaces of solitude? Mm -hmm. Do you enjoy them? And what do you think the benefits of this are? Yeah. Well, I definitely, like I said, I have my little like office yoga room in my house, which is really nice. And Mm -hmm. so I'm able to kind of go in there and have my little alone time in the morning. Um, I try with like deep intention, like have the phone away Mm -hmm. because, you know, my sister might text me, my mom might need me, something with work might pop up, you know, Mm -hmm. so I try not to let that be a part of my space in the morning time as best as possible. Um, So those little touchstones of practice with solitude, and I really think solitude is so important because when you can be in relation with self without others influencing it, you, again, I think just going back to that, touching into your own understanding, your own knowing, your own truth, I think that's like the greatest benefit it's given me. Also, in the same kind of vein as finding stillness within, um, I've also found like sometimes doing things on my own in terms of like, I might be with people, but I'm not with someone I'm super close with or something. Like, I'll give you an example. So for my 30th birthday three years ago, um, I really like was like, I want to enter this decade doing something for myself. And um, all these synchronistic things happened where I ended up on a retreat with one of my favorite yoga teachers and now um, someone I know pretty well through my writing and going on um, retreats with. Her name's Cold Chance. I don't know if y'all know Cold Chance, but look her up. She's awesome. Um, And I found her retreat. I just knew I needed to do something like that on Mm -hmm. my own. And um, there was one called literally if we want to keep with the themes of my life journey to freedom 
Mm. And so I had never been to Colorado. Um, I didn't know anyone who was going. And I said, I'm just going to get on this plane and go by myself. I had to meet like strangers on our Facebook group of other people who are going, ride in a car with them three hours away <laughs> from where I was dropped off. And then like go into like the like literally middle of nowhere, Colorado. Mm. And even though I was with people, it was still such a deep, expression and experience of solitude because it was my first solo trip without anyone I knew mm -hmm. to a place I never been to mm -hmm. to a retreat I've never experienced on my birthday and it just like gave me so much like mm -hmm. I felt like a whole new person when I returned mm -hmm. um from that time with myself and even if I was in relation with people it was that time with myself so um I really think that again naming almost redefining how we have to see, say this is stillness this is solitude this is silence but like what can it what could it be yeah. you know and so for me that was an experience that I just yeah. thought of sharing yeah, yeah. I, I love that. that I love that and the fact that you still remember it three years ago oh my gosh. so vividly so like vividly. how impactful and meaningful mm -hmm. kudos to you doing things by yourselves are so super scary I am right there with you <laughs> Stay tuned after this word from our sponsor for a short meditation, which will be read by Kat, but it's one of Lowe's poems, so you don't want to miss it. Hello everyone, Kat Smith here. I hope you have enjoyed listening to this episode, and now I invite you to join me for a short guided meditation. And today's meditation is very special because I will be sharing one of the poems written by Lo Clifford, our latest guest. And I just want you to think about this season as we're wrapping up the year, as we are going through the hustle and bustle of the holiday season, how do you find time for stillness? How do you find time for silence? How do you create time for solitude? So I invite you to find a comfortable seat. It can be cross-legged, it could be propped on a bolster or a pillow. You can also sit on the chair Allow your body to root down as you lengthen your spinal column up. Consider closing your eyes or softening your gaze. Relax your body and begin to breathe smoothly in and out through your nose unless you need to keep your mouth ajar. Letting the breath carry you into a place of balance, peace, and equanimity. And as you listen to your breathing, as you let your mind settle, as you let your body get comfortable in stillness, I invite you to listen to this poem by Low Clifford, and it is untitled. Your strength rests beneath the density of your bones and weight of your woven muscles. You find it in the moments when your world spins as rapid as your frantic heartbeat, 
but you decide not to be swept up within it. In the eye of the cyclone, you stay still, rooted. You discover comfort in the pause between each breath, a space of non-doing. And remember, you already have everything within you to calm any storm. Continue to sit quietly. Let these wise, beautiful words resonate within you. Find moments of stillness, solitude, and silence between every inhale and exhale. Continue to breathe deeply, keeping your focus on your breath. Stay for a while longer. Know that you can always come back to this place that is safe, that is calming, where you can feel rooted, where you can calm every storm. Stay as long as you like unless you're prepared to finish this short meditation with me, in which case take a full inhale through the nose and exhale sweetly all of your air out. Consider bowing your chin to chest to honor yourself, to honor this time that you spend with yourself. Hopefully you have more clarity now. Hopefully you feel calm, relaxed, and empowered. We wish you the best holiday season. May all be well with you and yours. Namaste.